0: the Santa Lucia Mountains of California is sort of a regional phenomenon. Every time locals, you
1: say phenomenon, I think of the Muppet song. Phenomena. Phenomena. <laughs> Sorry.
0: No, it's cool. We're old. <laughs> <laughs> but hikers routinely see shadowy figures up in the mountains watching them. What are they? What do they want? What, what is their agenda? Who, who knows? We're going to dive into the dark watchers of California tonight.
1: From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Closed-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of... Nightmares on the Lost Highway.
0: Also known by Spanish conquistadors as Los Vigilantes Oscuros. Oh, I
1: love that. It rolls off the tongue so nicely. That's such a cool name. It is a cool name.
0: These are the names that are given to a group of entities in California folklore the travelers along the Santa Lucia Mountains claim to see on a regular basis. Now, it's not limited just to California. There are also sightings around Mount Mingus and Mount Graham in Arizona, and the eastern Sierra Nevada Mountains. They're described as very tall, ranging in height from 7 to 15 feet. They're giant-sized, featureless, dark silhouettes, sometimes with hunched backs, dressed all in black, wearing flowing cloaks, often adorned with brimmed hats or walking sticks. They are most often reported to be seen in the hours around twilight or dawn. They are said to motionlessly stare off toward the ocean or to watch the traveler from the horizon, appearing where no person could climb. Sometimes they're accompanied by others, who darken the spaces between the trees. And according to legend, no one has seen one up close. They make witnesses uncomfortable even before they see them, and if someone were to approach them, they disappear. They never speak. They never attack. And legends of the region say that they're migratory entities that stalk those that travel the mountains. And they are endowed with exceptional hearing and impeccable eyesight. They prefer to reveal themselves to travelers that carry simple possessions, just hats and walking sticks, instead of high-tech equipment. One of the the explanations I saw was that they have a fear of electronics and oils and and plastics, Hmm. of course. Again, primitive hiking. I don't know about you. I, I was quite an avid hiker when I was younger. It's something I've gotten out of that I would love to do again. Uh, you know, the oppressive Missouri summer heat being what it is. Oh, my 100 gosh. hundred and some degrees. Yeah, like but, today,
1: temperature of 103. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we had false fall. I don't false know. False fall. I, I don't know if you uh, saw my Facebook post or not, but I was not talking. I yet. It, it had like the 18 seasons of Missouri, which was like <laughs> winter, fall, spring, second winter, spring, early summer, late spring, summer. Uh, oh my god, burning hot summer. Hell. Fake fall. <laughs> Return of summer. It was crazy. But yeah, you know, it's just
1: it's been unbelievably hot. But anyway. Now you brought up and I thought this was interesting in my research. They often are on like the mountain peaks or really high area and they're looking out at at the at the ocean, at the sea. Some people believe that they are looking for the early settlers. It's like a reminiscence, like some of our ghosts. It kind of sounds like a residual energy, like these dark watchers are are stuck in time, maybe, but they're bleeding over, but they're looking for like ships from the Spanish conquistadors or explorers to come in, and then as hikers and stuff come up on the mountains they're they may be just kind of distracted from their post and they look down like, you know, how dare you be here what what are you what are you doing here? but often with the sketches at least that I saw they took on kind of a pilgrim-like image. Well, they have the hats and, and like capes or long and coats. Like the walk-in and and stick. A walking stick. But yeah, like a tall, not a witch's hat, but a a, a a brimmed hat and kind not to a point, but a tall hat.
0: For, for lack of better phrasing, the most common image I saw was almost like the Tifos where they would, they would be standing there with like their arms out. Yes. And just standing up straight and tall. And as you said, up to 15 feet tall. Gigantic. That's huge. That's giants. That's giants. So so like I asked earlier, what do they want? What motivates them? No one really knows for sure. How long have they been in the region? Well, the Chumash natives of the region first spoke of them in their legends, although they don't have a lot of stories about them. Their cave paintings do depict them in a very colorful fashion. So they've been there for a long time. When, uh, you know, when Spanish settlers first moved into the area, they were said to have witnessed the Dark Watchers. John Steinbeck's son, Thomas, was told stories about the Dark Watchers By his grandmother from when she was a teacher in her younger years. Now, her stories were, you know, along along the lines of, you know, she would ride through the remote woods of the mountains on her way to teach. And she said she saw the Dark Watchers several times. She even traded with them. She would leave them gifts. Traded with them. Yeah. She would leave them gifts of fruits, nuts, flowers, and would receive gifts upon her return trip. So there was something interacting with her there.
1: Wow, I just had a thought. It never came up to me before until this instance. It's almost like Dark Fae. Actually, the way his grandmother described them were as little people. They were more feyish the way hmm. she saw them. Fairies, you know, yeah. for those of you who don't play D&D, aren't quite as nerdy as, as Bill and I. But, but yeah. You know, the race
0: of the fey. That's how his grandmother described them, where they, they were a type of little people. Now, Thomas himself would actually report having seen the Dark Watchers during his childhood, and he would later collaborate with artist Benjamin Brode on a book entitled In Search of the Dark Watchers. And he went into the history of the legend and interview locals who claimed to have seen them.
1: Well, we'll roll back. Uh, You'd mentioned John Steinbeck and, of course, his son, who wrote a book. The Dark Watchers are probably most famously given a very brief mention in John Steinbeck's Flight book uh, that was included in the 1938 collection of his short stories called The Long Valley. And in there, and I will quote, Pepe looked suspiciously back every minute or so, and his eyes sought the top of the ridges ahead. Once, on a while, on a barren spur, he saw a black figure, just for a moment but he looked quickly away for it was one of those dark watchers no one knew who the watchers were nor where they lived but it was better to ignore them and to never show interest in them they did not bother one who stayed on the trail and minded his own business
0: yeah and that seems to be common they don't really mess with a person they just they appear true watchers maybe guardians and and i have a series of anecdotes i'll relate here soon but Even in those stories, nobody gets messed with.
1: They just see them. Now, later on, a second written account is by a poet by the name of Robinson Jeffers in his poem in 1937. It's a collection called Such Counsels You Gave to Me and Other Poems. Kind of a strange title. And I quote, He thought it might be one of the watchers who are often seen in this length of the coast range. Forms that look human to a human eye, but certainly are not human. They come from behind ridges to watch, but when he approached it, he recognized the shabby clothes and pale hair and even adverted forehead and concave line from eye to jaw, so that he was not surprised when the figure turning towards him in the quiet twilight showed his own face, then it melted and merged into the shadows beyond it, literally just disappeared right in front of him.
0: Seems like he gave it more detail than most people see. There's mention of
1: hair and
0: and stuff there. So I thought that was interesting. So, like I said, I've got some anecdotes here. According to newspaper archives in the mid-60s, a Monterey Peninsula local who had also been a principal at a local high school, so of course he seems like a reputable source, he claimed to have seen the watchers while hiking in the mountains. He had had plenty of time to study the figure, noting its clothing and how the figure was standing on a rock,
1: and he seemed to be studying the mountains. When he called out to his fellow hikers, the figure disappeared. If I understood that correctly, like some of the other hikers that was with him may have been students from the school. Uh,
0: the sources I have did not have that kind of detail. Okay, so. okay.
1: But it was interesting, for as short as that was, I like think you said in the 1960s, that really seemed to kind of keep the legend alive, so to speak. That That part I saw referenced... All the way through the seventies and the eighties, maybe even early nineties. So that little blurb really kind of rebirthed it.
0: It seemed like the sixties brought it back, but of course, being the sixties, there were also a lot of possible explanations <laughs> mm. that involved chemicals. So <laughs> also grown in California at the time. yes. Yeah. So uh, now I don't have a lot of details on some of these. A lot of these were left anecdotally by sort of anonymous contributors.
1: I found so I'm going to say a lot of these here.
0: Yeah. Uh, Another witness claimed when they were a teenager, and I tried to put them chronologically, by the way, as best I could without knowing actual dates. (laughs) But another witness claimed that when they were a teenager, they used to hike in the desert and the mountains about seven miles outside of Blythe, California. Now, one afternoon, they were deeper in the mountains than they had ever hiked before. Suddenly, they felt like they were being watched. Again, you know, when the watchers are watching you, you feel like you feel it. They started looking around, afraid they were being stalked by a mountain lion, which we addressed in a previous episode. But when they looked up towards the top of the mountain, they saw a small cave opening near the top of a sheer cliff wall, a place where no person should be able to get to. And at that cave opening, they saw a hooded human figure looking out over the valley. Now, this person couldn't see the the shadow figure's face, saying that it seemed to be covered by something like a veil, but they could tell that the hood and cloak were tattered and ragged. The figure made no movements, and the hiker, at that point, started to retrace their steps to get out of there. Hmm, I mean, I don't blame them. Yet another person stated that they used to work in that area and decided to go for an afternoon hike in the mountains north of Ojai. Uh, now, they were on a trail. It was just a series of switchbacks up a steep slope. If you're unfamiliar with that term, it's just a trail that loops back and forth going up the kind cliff. Kind of zigzaggy. You know, and it's it, California mountainsides, I guess, are kind of like loose gravel and, and shale, so they're not exactly super stable at the best of times. So you got to make sure you're watching your footing and be careful where you're walking. So they were about a half hour into the hike when they saw this humanoid figure silhouetted against the sky on the ridge above them. They also, just prior to noticing, had, had that experience, that sensation of being watched. But they assumed that this figure was just someone who had hiked up there ahead of them. It's just another person. Right. now, Not distance, all that uncommon for hikers to meet other hikers. No, I mean, every time I've gone hiking, I've run into people. Yeah. Now, distance obscured any details of the figure, but it was definitely humanoid in shape. And again, they saw another hiker, so they didn't think much about it. So the hiker continues on figuring why not you know they don't feel like they're in any danger of course they notice that this figure doesn't seem to move as they're walking apparently after about an hour this figure was still standing in the same place staring in the same direction that's a bit odd that's a little bit weird so the guy the guy I'm making an assumption here the person stops kind of watching the figure considering something strange is going on starts walking a little more when something shoots past their ear now his his I'm just going to go with this. You're his.
1: doing it again.
0: This person assumes, like their first thought is, did I just, somebody just shoot at me with an arrow? Because ah, that's what it sounded okay. like to them. So they look around, they don't see anything weird, anything suspicious, except for the figure at the top of the ridge. And they're like, did, did the figure do something? Because like, at first they thought it was a person, now at this point they're not sure what's going on. It's still in the same pose. It's been over an hour, and it has not moved. It is always looking in the same so direction.
1: This guy, Again, now I'm doing it. This (laughs) person has been hiking. That figure is still within eyesight because he's up on such a high spot, I assume, for an hour. Over an hour at this point. Over an hour. While he's
0: considering... I did it again. You did it again. Now, while this person's considering options for taking cover, thinking that they're being shot at, maybe, not knowing exactly what's going on, a hummingbird makes a little chitter right above its head. (laughs) So this person looks up, that sort of tapping, clicking sound, you know, they... They've heard it, a hummingbird before. They look up in time to see this this hummingbird make another attack run. <laughs> so he's, you know this it's is a dive bomber. This is mama bird protecting her, her eggs, her nest, whatever. So now relieved, the hiker continues on. He's like, "Okay, no one's trying to attack me except a little hummingbird." This little hummingbird. That relief is short-lived, however, as they round a bend in the trail. They see on another ridge now the same figure, same pose, everything identical on an, on just, like, the next ridge over. Like he, like, teleported there. And now this feeling of being watched has become uncomfortable, unbearable. They they just want to get out of there. And so at that point in time, they think it's time to head back down. And, of course, they're especially quick to pass by the overprotective Mama Hummingbird so as not to get dive-bombed again. But, you know, it brings a halt to that, that hike. So a 2011 encounter was told by witnesses from Moreno Valley, California. They were just killing time, hanging out inside and outside of their car, kind of parked somewhere, I'm guessing on a back road or whatever. It was pitch black outside, and they were just killing time, sharing cigarettes, you know, chilling, hanging out with some friends. I'd be lying if I said I didn't do it when I was a teenager. And as they're doing this, they notice all of a sudden a bunch of black shadows, evenly spaced, completely encircling them that just did not move. Now, they remained motionless, but were fairly large. Based on the distance, you know, they were obviously larger than a man. Uh, they, they said, in their words, at least the size of a small car. Wow. Okay. So they seemed hunched over, or perhaps kneeling, which we talked about the hunchback earlier. Now, as time passed, they never moved. The shadows never moved. Now, this group of friends, they got out. They walked around the car. They got in. They got out. They walked around. They moved to different locations. They just wanted to see if maybe they were witnessing some sort of optical illusion. The shapes never moved. They never reacted. They never changed. They remained still and just
1: there. And they had circled
0: the, this, this person. And they were completely this encircled, yeah. Hmm. Never could explain what they saw. Also in 2011, a pilot flying a small plane just north of Vandenberg Air Force Base reported glancing towards the Santa Lucia Mountains just after sunset and seeing what looked like seven large dark figures evenly spaced about a quarter mile apart along the mountain range. 2013, near the San Luis Pismo Reservoir. The witness and a friend were driving past the reservoir. As they were driving, one of them saw something in the distance at the end of the mountain. They described it as a really big human shape, but obviously not a person. It appeared to be wearing a black cape like the Grim Reaper, they said, and was leaning over, holding onto a staff at what seemed to be a puddle of water. It seemed like a strange detail, but Hmm. they included it.
1: I liked how you mentioned the Grim Reaper and the staff, because I did find reference that some people considered them As a sign of death is coming, that they are possibly grim reapers, and they all do seem to have a walking staff. But you don't—you would think you would see the giant, you know, sickle, the blade. blade, But there's no mention of that. But anyhow, besides that,
0: so anyway, after seeing the figure, they said it was hard to tell at the distance. You know, a lot of details. It was a humanoid figure. It was daytime, so it was. That's a a, you know, usually they're seeing sunrise, sunset. But it, so it was easy to tell it wasn't a person. They couldn't make out all the details, but they could tell it was not a person. Uh, but even in the light, the shape was just black, just shadowy black. The witness asked the friend who was driving to look over like, hey, are you seeing this? You know? And the driver was also able to see the shape for, for a moment, described exactly the same thing the passenger saw without the passenger prompting. Now, the passenger didn't say, hey, did you see this figure? The passenger was just like, hey, do you see that? And they described exactly what the passenger saw. Now, the driver only glimpsed it for a few seconds, but did confirm they saw it and were was so startled, they almost lost control of the car and then <laughs> had to look away and focus on the road because, obviously, staring at something as you're driving is probably not a great idea. And the passenger begged the driver to go back and see it, but the driver was just tired mm. and ready to get home. Yeah, we're not and doing that. Probably didn't want to. <laughs> Another 2018 sighting in Ohio. A witness was hiking a remote trail and was about an hour up the mountain. There were no cars, no people in sight. And as they were hiking, they began to have that feeling of being watched. I don't know, watchers give you that feeling. You feel like you're being watched. They looked up the top of the mountain and they saw a jet black figure. Now the guy waved, not knowing what he was looking at, thinking Hi. it was just a person, you know, but he wasn't sure. Wasn't sure it was a person. Wasn't sure if it wasn't, you know, the figure waved back. Oh, now this guy, he, this guy, this person doesn't know what's going on. And thinking maybe you know it's just a tree in the wind or something. Again, it's just a figure. You can't tell what it is. Takes a break for a minute. You know, lights a cigarette, takes a pull. The figure blows out a plume of smoke at the same time that he exhales.
1: Oh, this is interesting.
0: I said he again. I'm, I'm making those assumptions. Then the figure begins to float vertically, and at that point, the witness says they ran like hell back to their car, spraining their
1: knee in the process. You are not getting my cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I had a, a, and again, as Bill Bill alluded to, a lot of times the stories that are shared, they lack names. So it's it's really kind of difficult, but I found an internet posting. uh, There was a lot, but this one in particular caught my attention. Someone had written in, you know, hey, have you experienced anything similar to this? And if you would, please share. It was June of 2022 and uh, it was a male hiker and his female companion. So when you say he, you know, I I know that I know (laughs) that I'm not assuming. Uh, It was a male hiker and his female companion with her daughter set off to hike in the mountain range of the Santa Lucia Mountains uh, near Monterey. It was to be a relaxing weekend of hiking, they said, uh, and camping as a means for the couple to get to know one uh, one another. Apparently, they had just gotten engaged. The uh, teen to preteen daughter was from a previous marriage. And I think it was just kind of one of those things that let's unplug, you know, let's get away from everything. We'll go out, we'll hike, we'll camp a couple nights. It's weird that you say that. When
0: my mom and my stepdad first got married, that seemed to be an activity that we did on a regular basis was just go out hiking.
1: Well, you remove yourself from the norm, if you will. And, you know, you can really get to know people better and hopefully feel safer. Well,
0: and and again, you know, you're getting to know people. I mean, there's not much better way. Of course, if you think about it, uh, probably the worst way to get to know a person is trapped out in the wilderness with them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in case they turn out to be a nutcase. A
1: serial killer or something. (laughs) You you want to come back from the trip. (laughs) Anyhow, the daughter was, like I said, a teenager, kind of preteen. She was from a previous marriage. And the couple thought it would be good to unplug from the modern technologies and advances of the world. And instead to turn their focus on the beauty and the nature and their new soon-to-be family. However, what would occur on that hiking trip would have never been envisioned by either of the three souls. Friday morning this man writes in. The trio sets off making a very slow start of hiking uh, with no particular time frame or particular destination. They decided they were just going to take it slow and steady the first day especially uh, to see basically where it took them. They took uh, a lot of photographs of the beautiful terrain the mountain ranges until stumbling across off the trail a small but beautiful waterfall with a bubbling stream. So they kind of leave the the trail i guess that's kind of at least designated as the main trail which is something that the watchers sometimes seem to not like they do seem to have an issue with you trespassing in their territory yes is is kind of some of the stories so they decide to they didn't say how far off this was again a waterfall i said it was a small one but you know you could probably see it from quite a distance but they decide that even though it's a little early, that that's the perfect spot to set up camp for the night. they got a little swimming hole there they're going to take advantage of, this beautiful waterfall. You know, they'll just set up camp, maybe do a little bit of fishing, pitch their tents a little early, and to, again, just kind of take their time. It was about 5 p.m., he states, so quite early, actually, and they decided to take advantage of this scenic spot. Uh, they had a little moderate success, they said, with fishing, uh, enough that they kept the fish on a stringer, and they decided to go take a... A dip in the swimming kind of natural pool where the waterfall had went into, and then come back later for the supper to fix the fish. At about dusk that evening, they made their way up out of the pool where they'd been swimming to camp to finish uh, the supper. When they noticed they were not alone, there in the shadows of the mountains, along the cliffs and the overhangs, were three what they described as nine to ten foot tall shadows, shadowy figures wearing large brimmed hats and what appeared as capes or cloaks. One of them, they said, did not really have a wide-brimmed hat, but had a hood pulled over their head. So that's a little bit different. The male hiker yelled up at them, asking what they wanted, with his voice kind of echoing through the canyon and through that area. The two girls turned and looked at that at that direction, apparently not seeing anything until that moment. And then upon looking at where he was yelling and pointing, they saw, all together, these three giants, uh, some 250 feet away one of the figures slightly taller than the rest they described as tilting his head in the general direction and pointing back at the man he made a few steps forward and then began to slowly fall from the cliff basically falling down with the waterfall into the pool that they were just previously swimming in weird yeah the other two figures seemed not to be alarmed, but uh, turned and started almost gliding. He said in the direction of the one now making its descent near the waterfall. But then those two just kind of vanished into the shadows. They lost total track of them. They couldn't find them at all. So they finished running back up to the tent. Now, the man had packed a loaded pistol just for self-defense, and he pulled the two frightened girls kind of behind him—one his fiance and the, and the the teenage daughter. Uh, when they turned and looked back towards the pool, the figure was still slowly falling towards, again, Dungeons & Dragons reference, but it's like feather fall. I mean, just (laughs) ever so slightly just kind of falling from this great distance. But uh, within moments upon basically crashing down into the water, if you will, he vanished. The pool, the water did not seem to have any trickles, you know, like where you throw a stone in. They noticed this. It just like just enveloped him, just swallowed him. And there were still no signs of the other two figures. Now, they searched the water's edge, thinking there was a chance that maybe there was some other hikers possibly playing a prank on them, or, in the back of their mind, someone could have possibly fallen off the rock and got hurt. Again, they made it very clear that they fell very slowly, but I guess you're, you know, you're covering all the bases. So, after searching the water's edge, they found nothing. So, dust gave way to night. They decided to build a larger fire that night for light and possibly a little bit more of the security, and they... Decided to sleep altogether in one tent, just for you know, strength and, and unity, as they say. The night they said was very eventful. They heard a lot of rustling uh, in the brush. They heard twigs snapping, so they just didn't sleep well. And at one point, the the man again writing into this internet blog said the large fire was still going quite, you know, quite. Quite large, but the shadows of these same shadowy figures was now cast upon their tent. So I'm envisioning Ooh. they're down here now, between the fire and the tent. You know, and that illumination Ooh. is cast. So they're laying here in their canvas tent, watching almost like a film screen wrapped around them with the shadow.
0: Now, you've been camping oh, in yes. a tent many times. I I used to do that growing up. We used to go every year, as a matter of fact. And I'm gonna tell you what. Even things that you recognize and should know It can scare the bejesus out of you. Yeah, when you see that shape it looks pass creepy. by in shadow well distorted. The, yeah, the firelight makes the shadows jump around and then the canvas itself doesn't you know, the, it it moves and flexes. Even perfectly ordinary things would creep you out and, and having seen what they saw and then seeing these shadows, and then to know that whatever it is is between you and the fire relatively very it's close it's like right
1: there. Yes. He did state, as I said, there was twig snapping and everything before. He said, these things moved around their tent without making a noise. There may be a reason for that. Maybe a reason for that. So, they never did anything. They never attacked them. He obviously never attacked the shadowy figures. They were petrified. They, didn't, they did not unzip the tent. They did not go out to explore. They just kind of huddled the rest of the night, made the best of it, and they finally seemed to leave. Okay, this is a little aside here i don't know when someone starts to say something
0: does your brain ever automatically just jump to like where they're going to go next oh yes when you say they didn't unzip my brain took just a weird turn (laughs) that's not family friendly not family i was like what's that got to do with anything and then what do you tell what are you going to tell our listeners you finished your sentence and it made sense so my bad sorry
1: got her brain So the next morning, they get up, and they immediately go out, all three of them convinced without a shadow of a doubt, these shadow, shadow <laughs> these sh- three figures were the same ones that they saw up in the mountains, left no tracks. There was no proof at all that they were there. So they quickly pack up their tents. They go back to the trail, and they make haste. You and bug out, man. You, you bug out. They said they made... Up for the slow start uh, and made it to their destination for the second night. Uh, had no events the rest of the trip. Uh, the second night said was so peaceful and so quiet. But they literally, I guess, camped almost on the path. They they had kind of sensed maybe we shouldn't have left the path. You know, which just kind of goes back to this. They finally made it to their destination, which I apparently there there are people who come and pick up uh, hikers to take them back to their cars and you know such. So this gentleman who had helped arrange the trip pulled up in a van and picked the three up and was taking them back to their vehicle and said he just kind of, it was like out of one of those weird movies, you know, where he's got his hand on the steering wheel and he just kind of turns and looks to the back seat where they're all three sitting and he goes, so did you guys see any of those shadowy people up there? I can
0: straight, straight up (laughs) see that as a horror movie scene. I, I have seen that. I watch a lot of scary movies. I guarantee you I've seen that. Or I have heard ver- variations of that story multiple times.
1: Now, the trio looked one at, at each other, and they had already kind of made up their mind that second night that they weren't really going to talk about this because they weren't sure. and They didn't want to be ridiculed. So nobody that. nobody said a word and said, finally, the driver just kind of lost interest, shrugged his shoulders, and kind of laughed. If, if you want to go back to like our celebrity ghost story thing, where you
0: were talking about the house where the band was staying and they got the driver the next day and he's like, yeah. So you have
1: anything weird have happen? Anything weird happen at that <laughs> house. So, you know, later on after they got back to their vehicle and they're, they're, they're now in private, they're kind of discussing this. They're like, could he have been part of a prank? Well, the watchers are, but how would you, a guy or a guy? No. This shadowy figure falling slowly I from do. a mountain descent. I don't believe he was part of it. I, I would...
0: Ref- like, come on. The experiences they had, he would have had to have followed them out and then, you know, orchestrate all this. It's a it's a well-known phenomenon in the region. And that would be
1: elaborate. Why would you do... I mean, if you want to throw a few sticks or stones and make some noises, it'd, but, I mean, that would have been elaborate. It'd be like going to Boggy Creek,
0: camping out in the woods, and then someone being like, so did you see the monster? I mean, yeah. it's just, it's from it's, the region. It's the terrain. Yeah, it's. So, it's. So, what are people seeing? I think I I touched a little earlier about it
1: being the they've 60s. They've seen Dark Watchers. Well, they saw Dark Watchers,
0: yes. Uh, the 60s, maybe, maybe some people were under the influence.
1: Hey, careful, careful. There's still people that are yeah. under the influence. Not just the 60s here. Illusions, hallucinations, maybe
0: misinterpretation of natural stimulus brought on by exhaustion and isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're up in the mountains. Maybe lack of oxygen affects the brain a little bit. We know that does. Infrasound generated by the wind. Infrasound has been proven to cause you to feel uncomfortable. They've done experiments with it where people thought they were, you know, you, you, it almost simulate a haunting type
1: experience. That's where a lot of that they say comes from, that they feel they're being watched yeah. is is some of that. One of my favorites, and and
0: I don't want to say it's the most likely explanation, of course I'd love to believe that there's something out there we can't explain, but there's a phenomenon known as the Brocken specter. Oh, yes. Uh, not Brocken, not brock inspector, but Brocken specter, two words. B-R-O-C-K-E-N. Yeah. Now, a Brocken specter can occur in certain atmospheric conditions when the sun is at a particular angle and the subject's shadow can be cast onto a cloud bank around them, creating the illusion of a large shadowy humanoid figure. Now, if you think about it for a moment, these typically happen at sunrise Mm -hmm. and sunset. Sun is low on the horizon. The sunbeams hit you. Your shadow is cast up on the clouds or on, I think they said water vapor in the air, possibly. Yep. So it it would explain, like, for instance, the guy who smoked the cigarette and waved and, and it did everything he did. Mimicked. And again,
1: you think about your shadow. If you're walking out in the street or you're crossing a parking lot, it is very distorted. It looks much taller than you. And
0: and if you're walking by a structure or building or whatever, shadow puppets are a good example. You know, you got the light shining behind on the wall. Things are bigger. Uh, I think that's a pretty likely explanation. And I know there's a similar phenomenon from Scotland recorded, which we may get into later on in another episode. But to me, that seems like a very likely explanation. Now, does that explain multiple figures in the trees? I mean, not exactly. Does that explain what happened to the the hikers and the waterfall? No. Yeah, the
1: guy, or the I keep saying the guy now the the shadowy figure just slowly descending down. Yeah, that that'd, that'd be a little weird. Now
0: again, the ones where they see a shadow figure at the top of the mountain just standing there that never moves,
1: maybe. Or when you wave and it waves yeah. back. Or you take a hit off your cigarette, you know. Or whatever he was smoking.
0: Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I don't think it specifically says cigarette. Maybe I just
1: made an assumption. And then there's also the, I believe you pronounce it, pareidolia? Oh, um, Where when your mind, your mind automatically yes. wants to see faces
0: or people or or patterns you recognize to be honest
1: the jesus on the burnt toast that was the ebay internet craze for a long time or muppet faces on the moon i don't know
0: about you but i can almost like if you give me a random pattern my face
1: like my face
0: my (laughs) eyes will automatically pick out things that look like faces we want uh, as
1: humans we our mind has to process things so we see that whatever we're staring at and we have to try to relate it to something
0: strangely enough let let's comp- let's just say you know i had some training at work not that l- long ago and they talked about sensory input and how your body has to sort of your brain has to process things a certain way, so it kind of chunks it up. They said, like, you will receive, like, so many thousands or millions of bits of... If you wanted to put it in computer terms, you're getting all this input all at once. You're getting thousands mm-hmm. or millions of bits of input. But your brain can only process, like, 145 Fragments. at a time or something like that. So, yeah, your mind automatically looks for a pattern in a thing to say, okay, this is a thing I recognize.
1: I know what that is. That's how we remember stuff. Yeah. That's how we retain it. So, Bill, is it time for headlines? <laughs>
0: So my headline is from the New York Post, dated August 13th, 2023. Pretty recent. Very recent. I was stabbed by my ex, but a ghost saved my life.
1: And I'm all in. I'm pulled in the rabbit hole.
0: I know you're wondering where we're going with this, but I I do get to some shadow people. So uh, this is by Jack Hobbs and Tracy Swartz. Her near-death experience isn't dampening her spirits. I stole that joke wholesale. <laughs> that was the first line of the, the article. I thought it was too good not to share. Colorado elementary school teacher Eilish Poe, 25, survived being stabbed 16 times by her ex-boyfriend. Oh, my goodness. And she claims to have been seeing shadow people ever since the November 4th, 2020 attack. I guess she talked about her story on a five-episode run of the Otherworld podcast, which I have not listened to. Maybe one to look at she swears she saw three crystal clear ghosts of people who had died in her lifetime and insists that one even helped her reach the phone to call for help. So this is a very fascinating story. I, I really, I thought it was fascinating. Would
1: this be like her ancestors, people she recognized? She, she specifically references it. So okay. I'll,
0: I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll name names. She was ambushed in her home by Jonathan Crossley after she turned down his efforts to be more than a summer fling. She was, quote, very upfront with him from the start, so he knew what this was going to be. And she tried to distance herself from him when things started to turn sour. In her own words, quote, he wouldn't leave. He kept leaving really intense voice messages saying, I love you. I'm not going to let you go. I was scared. He reportedly snuck into her home and waited in a crawl space for 26 hours for her to get home. That's true love. Or something. It's something. I don't, yeah. When she went in to check on her pet bunny, he... Revealed himself and charged at her. The bunny? No. Oh. Crossley. Okay. The axe. Attack of the killer bunnies. That was, that's a different episode. <laughs> in her words, quote, he then pushed me down the stairs and I hit my back pretty bad. I still have injuries and trauma from that. He grabbed me by the back of my hair. It was really long at the time. He shoved my head into the wall five or six times. So he's, he's stunned her. He's already attacked her, beat her up, hurt her pretty badly. He then stabbed her in the neck, torso, and arms, mm. after which she played dead so that he would leave. She then says that she saw a carousel of people in the bathroom doorway, two feet from where she was laying in a pool of her own blood. My paternal grandmother was standing right there, she says. There we go. She passed away in 2014. She was standing there, just kind of quaintly smiling at me. She didn't wave or anything like that. And then Grandmother Jeannie faded out and pal Vicky faded in. Val was Poe's best friend from high school and had reportedly committed suicide in February of 2020. In her own words, again, quote, it is a crystal clear image of what she was wearing, and she was also just standing there. And the same as Jeannie, she had this comforting smile on her face. I am still grieving for her three years later, but it felt like bonus time, even just for five seconds, or however long it was, to see her and be near her again. Alyssa Burkett, who was stabbed and shot to death by her ex in Poe's Texas hometown, was the third person to fade in. Poe says Burkett literally pulled me up, and I was standing upright which she says saved her life because it allowed her to use her phone and call for help. Again, in her words, quote, A lot of people have been like, that was just your brain surviving, or an angel. But what I'm telling you is it was as real as seeing an alive person in the room. It wasn't ghostly. Now, since the attack, Poe has undergone 10 surgeries, and Kind Souls have donated more than $66,000 for her medical bills. Because, again, we're in America. Medical stuff's ridiculous. Yeah, right. Now, she says she has seen shadowy figures probably between 50 and 100 times during her recovery since the attack. Now, again, her own words, quote, They never approach me apart from one specific time, and the second I start to walk towards it or acknowledge it, it's just gone. I think because I almost crossed over, because I was so close, maybe those shadow people are people who are in the between of crossing over, and they're in the middle somewhere, and maybe that's why I can see them. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, kind of a crazy story there. And again, because she got so close to the border between that veil, maybe that, that allows her to see those things.
1: Well, I thought for my headliner, I would expand on a slightly different type of dark watcher. This is an article taken out of The New York Times, March 18th, 2023. So again, not not very long ago at all. An article written by Camille Baker. She says, If you need proof that climate change has altered the wildlife of the city, look no further than the black vulture soaring above midtown Manhattan. These hulking, bald-headed scavengers have wingspans that measure nearly five feet in length and have traditionally inhabited South America, Central America, and the southern United States. But the black vulture seems to be here for the foreseeable future now along with 20 or 30 other species that have recently expanded their ranges into New York City. As <laughs> weather patterns... Reminded of the old salsa commercial right there, didn't you?
0: No, actually... New York City! What made me laugh... I, hey, do you watch what we do in the shadows? Yes. I want, I'm not you,
1: totally caught up, but there, yes.
0: Well, it's an older episode. You were the most devious bastard in New, New York, York City!
1: City. <laughs> I, I love that show. Yes. As weather patterns have warped and habitats have shrunk food supplies have diminished, the migratory patterns of birds have also changed. It would have been unheard of, said Andrew Farnsworth, a researcher at Cornell University Lab, to spot a black vulture in Manhattan 30 or 40 years ago. Now more than 300 sightings have been recorded in the city since only March of 2022, according to the Cornell Managed Citizen Science Project called eBird. Black vultures are moving north because of the milder temperatures and ability to scavenge in suburbs near the city. Dr. Farnsworth said he estimated that as many as 30 new species have joined the more than 200 bird species that regularly spend time in the metro area. Some birds have been harmed by all the changes. Others seem to be adapting. But in this delicately formed ecosystem, the presence of a new species or the disappearance of one can have cascading impacts across the entire habitat. Now, the article goes on in great length about climate change and affecting migratory patterns of different bird species, but then goes on to some grimacing news for these uh, new bird migrations into the thriving metropolis of New York. Beyond climate change, birds in New York City are most immediately threatened by other human actions. Between 90,000 and 230 migrating birds are killed in building collisions in New York City every year, says the Audubon Society. This is literally birds just flying smack into the glass, like, unfortunately, does happen. How can they know that? I have no idea. They got bird counters go around and pick up dead some, birds some on the street? Some
0: weird sensor on the building This is like, oh, another yep. bird. We had another one. Blip. Yeah, I mean I, I don't
1: I, I don't understand that.
0: It seems weird that you would keep track of some are you not that you
1: you would, it just seems weird that you could keep could track keep of that. track of that, yeah. Now, as some New Yorkers have been interviewed, uh they say the sheer sight of looking up and seeing this black menacing dark watcher with this mm-hmm. wingspan of these black vultures nearly five feet flying through their city, swooping down, taking out rats, going through garbage and alleys is crazy quite the menacing tale. Said worst off, one individual was on the thirtieth floor and was looking out the window when one of these five foot wingspan birds crashed into the glass. Oh, I right, to make you jump. I mean literally just right at her face. She said she screamed and alerted the entire office and it was, you know, quite quite the spectacle and quite the show. But maybe, you know, just maybe it's their way of warning of what is to come. Or maybe As one crashes through your bedroom window on the 30th floor, it might just be seeking revenge to attack you and your treetop home that they want to take back as their own. So you're out hiking, minding your own business. You look up
0: being watched by a shadowy figure, if not more than one. How do you think you'd react?
1: Well, because I have done a podcast on this.
0: Oh yeah, you. I mean, you, okay, you forewarned, right?
1: I'm, I'm a little bit experienced. Forewarned, not a forearmed. specialist. I would immediately try to debunk this. I would like hold up my right arm, probably my left arm. You know, see if it see if it's mimics. A Brock Inspector. Yes, and I would expect it not to be. I would. I guess in my heart of hearts, I would hope it wasn't. Yeah, yeah but it would be a weird experience. Oh, it would. It would be creepy because then what's next (laughs) well if it doesn't react to you yeah what happens next what happens next you
0: you hope that it keeps that whole dark watchery don't come and get me mode stay on the path stay on the path start walking
1: back keep it between the lines i always walk with a
0: cell phone anymore so i'm probably safe right
1: it doesn't like electronics up in the mountains oh Oh, yeah yeah yeah, the electronics electronics. yeah so that's kind of like probably holding a gun at it i don't know hey look what i got i got a cell phone. I'm safe, Schmook. Charge at it with your <laughs> cell
0: phone. That's what people do nowadays, isn't it? You see something you can't explain, you come at it with your come cell phone. Come at
1: it with phone. your cell phone. Don't bring me a cell phone out. I would definitely try to get a picture. But oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that would be my second step. But yeah, I would immediately, I think, try to debunk it. Yeah. Just to prove to myself that, you know, what is it? Well, we hope that you've enjoyed yet another installment of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thanks so much. We appreciate you all.
0: Hey, real quick, call to action. I think Eric would agree. We'd like to grow this Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Absolutely. If you could, if you're listening on Apple, if you would go and give us a review and, and rate us. Uh, if you have some feedback, that's fine, too. Uh, whatever, whatever platform you're listening, follow us, rate us, give us some reviews.
1: That helps get some recognition. And gets our name out there. We do have a Facebook page, Nightmares on the Lost Highway. You can easily find us if you want to communicate with us. If you want to share some uh, possibilities for future podcasts with us, you know, reach out. We want to talk with you guys. Takes a break for a minute. You know, lights a
0: cigarette, takes a pull. The cigarette blows out a plume of smoke. The headline is, I was stabbed but, but I was stabbed butt. I was stabbed in the butt. Stabbed in the butt. <laughs>
1: That's
0: a whole different headline. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio.
1: I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. And I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some
0: loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love
1: but we're we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as hopefully as much as we do thank you very much